working together, they get the job done. Bob the Builder, can we fix it? Bob the Builder, yes we can. So Bob the Builder, can we fix it? Bob the Builder, yes we can. Welcome to the EuroWhat, episode number 58 for the week of July 29th. I'm Ben Smith, and I'm joined today by Mike McComb. Hey, Mike. Hello. And our special guest, Helen Grotheis. Hi, Helen. Hi, thanks for having me. We are a bunch of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest, and this week we are wrapping up our series, uh, gut renovating all the big five and talking about France and, I guess, really just kind of staging an intervention for the United Kingdom. Oh, like that, That's why we're all here. That's why we have the folding chairs. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very thin veiled excuse to just talk about the uk but we will talk about france we love you and we're concerned yes uh even france uh i'm sure our listeners will love that we have combined france and the uk uh together because oh, yes. yeah because they're besties we know this so because, yeah, those are two <laughs> centuries of great. conflict <laughs> yeah. those are two tastes that go so great together yes <laughs> um so helen welcome to the program thanks for having me so how <laughs> <laughs> to put it in, in, in blunter terms, why are you here? Yeah. How, did you get, how did you get introduced to Eurovision? Well, this kind of, I guess all roads lead back to one direction in my case. I was following a lot of UK people around uh, 2014, uh, purely because we were all friends because of that. And a lot of them were tweeting pictures of uh, Conchita on my timeline. And I was like, what is this? And someone sent me a link and I ended up watching, I think, the last half of the grand final that year. And I have been hooked ever since <laughs> yeah so i'm, I'm a good relatively recent with. but devoted euro fan now excellent excellent and again 2014 feels like a really good year to start with yeah with i mean Pichita. common linnets was also there my dutch yeah. brethren <laughs> i'm a big fan of of iceland's entry from that year polo punk oh yeah I think Just John so Oliver covered that one that year as well. So that it got some a lot of American press because uh, Conchita won. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that year she was one of the top Google searches, like in the United States. Oh, uh, yeah, and yeah, so it's like, wow, that's that's really cool. Yay! So. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's also uh, memorable for uh, the French entry, which we'll get to in a minute, I'm sure. But that I think that might have been the first entry that I actually ended up watching tuning in halfway through. Oh, nice! So what an intro! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and really, like, if you if you're going to get like the true Eurovision experience, that is a very Eurovisiony entry. Uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah. That's... And then it just kept getting more serious as the years went on, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Australia came in and made everybody step up their game. So. Exactly. Exactly. We will get to uh, talking about France and the UK in a second, but it made sense to check in on a few news desk things. Yes. Uh, so, as always, how many cities are in Netherlands? We have two. And as we predicted uh, in last episode, I think within hours of us dropping the episode. Oh, no, it was it was bef- like while I was editing the episode that the news okay. uh, came up and it's like, oh, cool. Thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm not taking out any of the stuff that we said. Otherwise, we would have been like 15 minutes shorter, uh, <laughs> which maybe people would have appreciated. But uh, yeah, it is now down to Maastricht and Rotterdam. 
as of this recording and uh full disclosure we're recording a little bit early uh compared to when this episode's gonna drop so uh there there may be a selection made by the time this episode goes live but uh yeah maastricht has already been looked at by uh the broadcaster i'm not sure when rotterdam is going to be getting looked at that probably would have already happened by the time this episode goes up um time is weird i think rotterdam makes a little bit more sense as a choice it seems like it has like better like venue capabilities and like you know a lot of people are going to want to probably go to amsterdam as a you know tourist if they're there for a little bit and rotterdam is i think close-ish or yeah, not like that long of a train ride i kind of liken it to dusseldorf 2011 mm. it, i think yeah anyways i've never been to the netherlands and as a dutch descendant i feel like that is a crime and now that i live in the uk it's yeah. not that far of a jaunt so I'm full, fully planning to uh, go to Eurovision next year if if I can be helped. Excellent. I think travel-wise, both of them seem okay. I mean, I think Rotterdam is probably a little bit easier to get to, but as we're planning our trip, like we want to try to get to Belgium and maybe Northern yeah. Germany, and like you could do like a nice straight line from like Belgium to Maastricht to yeah. Cologne. But yeah, Rotterdam would be just as yeah. awesome as well. And most yeah, people say, ultimately, probably... if you stay, yeah, if if you stay too long on your train from from Amsterdam to Rotterdam, you will be in Belgium. Yes. So <laughs> most people will be flying in like through Amsterdam as well. I think mm-hmm. so. Easier, easier jaunt. The process is moving along so smoothly. I'm I'm excited to see how it turns <sighs> out. Compared to last year, oh goodness. Oh goodness. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> It's such a relief. Like, no news is good news at this point. True, true. And then the other big news that was kind of a surprise, like, I certainly was not expecting it. Uh, Netflix has picked up the Eurovision rights for the US. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. It was announced on uh, Friday, July 19th that the 2019 contest will be available uh, for streaming on Monday, July 22nd. Uh, so it should already be on Netflix now by the time you're listening to this. And it's the semifinals and the final, not just the final. So that's kind of new for the U.S. Normally yeah. the semifinals weren't available. I'm interested to see how some of the editing to the grand final will be in this iteration, considering one, uh, Madonna's vocals, which um, apologies uh, on behalf of uh, Michigan for that. Um, She is from Saginaw. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yay. Um, And then also, like, I'm curious to see whether the two major, like, statements on Palestine will be kept in. Agreed. If they're just using the DVD version, according to various internet sources, uh, Apparently the DVD does not have Hattori showing Palestinian flags. Yeah. So I'm I'm guessing that the version that pops up on Netflix also will not have that. Yeah. Especially because they're they're getting this after the fact, which means they're probably getting the DVD version. Yeah. Well, Madonna already put her vi- her version of the grand final on YouTube, so I imagine she has a say in that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was that was a that was a weird experience going back to that performance when we needed to review for the show and just being this is very different from my memory. I went back and watched her Super Bowl fo- performance from a few years back. That's not much better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Were the vocals tweaked after the fact for that one? or I... It might have been, but I think that was before the NFL was like posting official recordings. So mm. I was watching a bootleg mm. one. Yeah. One thing I noticed in the press release is that the 2020 contest is also going to be available. Uh, yes. But all signs from that press release point to it being after the fact and not live. That's disappointing, uh, though, because like... It is. It's like when you're... I think when... um. Yeah, when the Olympics started being aired live, like you can't just, you know, you're going to see the results ahead of time. And it was just like, oh, spoiler, spoiler. I was like, "Eh, it's 20, 
well, it will be 2020. You know, you can't really avoid it. So kind of the excitement out. Yeah, and I think it's also going to depend on what they mean by after the fact. Like, if the contest isn't going to be available until July 2020, then yes, that's ridiculous. But if it's going to be like what uh, BBC America had to do with Doctor Who, I want to say this is like hours, 2013, yeah. 2014, where it aired at 8 p.m. in the UK, and then it aired the same day in the US, but at 8 p.m. US time, but there was like that five-hour gap. Oh, yeah. And uh, fans would not stand for it, which is like, okay, calm down. But... I feel like with Eurovision, like <laughs> the diehard fans are going to seek it out live regardless. Yeah. And the people oh, who yeah. are much more casual about it, the five hour delay is not going to be that big of a deal. No. Yeah, because I, I remember being a Doctor Who fan in 2013, 2014, being like, guys, we can wait eight hours. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, same. I haven't watched Doctor Who recently, but uh, I hear Jody's good. Mm-hmm. So, yay, female doctor. I was about to say, I checked in on this season. She's doing great. Yeah, they asked her back, so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All signs point to them not airing it live, even though of the broadcasters in the U.S., Netflix definitely, it feels like they have the infrastructure to be able to stream that. Yeah. And this could be so them too. dipping a toe into how do we do live events on the Netflix? Yeah, well, I was thinking about, because um, Logo did not air uh the 2019 contest but they also didn't give up the rights which means like my family who was watching it back in the u.s uh over the phone with me had to seek out the swedish feed Mm. i also thought Mm -hmm. pbs might be a good fit but i don't think they have the infrastructure with netflix also doing the will ferrell's eurovision movie like it feels it feels like this was a there may have been negotiations happening for a very long time about this and we're only just now finding out about it like i i'm i'm so intrigued by this development and if the american song contest or whatever that ends up turning out to be like comes to fruition they may be shopping it to Netflix rather than like yeah. a conventional broadcast network, which might make more sense. I, I I don't know. They're definitely more open to like new things. So, and they're not bound by like any, you know, set schedule either. So True. Obviously, you know, over in Europe, it doesn't really make much of a difference, but hopefully that'll get more of a U.S. audience. I hope mm-hmm. so. If nothing else, I'm just excited that I now have e- an easier way to show people hotery. Just be like, here, it's on Netflix. Here's the timestamp. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be here in five minutes when you've, when you've processed. I do wonder if that means that some of the like, performance clips on YouTube will be ungeoblocked. Hmm. Fingers Maybe. crossed. Yeah. Because I wanted to show people how much I loved Fuego last year, and I could not. It is oh, the most yeah. frustrating thing. It's like, the contest is done. Let me watch the clips on my American internet. Yeah, that was like the thing I was most excited about when I moved to the UK, other than, you know, being in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was like, yay, I can watch all these clips. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah. So we are we have been, over the course of July, just sort of tearing down and rebuilding these five nations. Uh, we're nearing the end. We have two to go. Uh, let's kick things off with France, because that one feels like an easier one, or at least I feel like they're already making good strides. So let's dive into the history of France at the contest. They have participated every year except for two, 1974, where they pulled out at the last minute because uh, President Georges Pompidou died and they were, were going to air his memorial instead, which, and like their performer was like sitting in the audience of Eurovision, which is kind of weird, but I get it. They also did not participate in 1982, and that was not due to a, a, a leader's passing. That was due to the network that aired it at the time, TF1, criticizing everyone basically like they said that like there was an absence of talent and mediocrity of songs 
and declined to participate. <laughs> yeah, like the, they're just like? like, everybody sucks. We're not doing this. Uh, and then next year, a different channel took over in France. A more diplomatic <laughs> channel, I would hope. Yeah, a more uh, diplomatic channel. Yeah. Was like, we're still going to participate. That's ironic because France is like one of the big founders of the contest. Oh, man. That was real fun digging into those. Uh, so as a nation, they have had five wins, three of which were in the first 10 years of the contest. And they've had one last place, which we'll definitely be talking about because it was in 2014. All of their entries have had some or were entirely in French, which did not surprise me at all because nope. France. Yeah. Um, <laughs> France is going to France. Then in the Big Five era, they have had four top tens and eight instances where they were in 20th or worse. Let's talk about France, everybody. What works for France? The national final seems to be doing okay. Yeah, and it seems like that they're learning as they're going. Like, I I, I thought last year's, uh, well, uh, the 2017, uh, no, sorry, 2018 edition of uh, Destination Eurovision, it was a good first try. Like, I, I, I think there were a number of kinks that they had to work out, and I think they yeah. worked out a lot of those kinks in this year's edition. Yeah, they didn't pick a yeah. bad song. I just can't remember it much. Of all of the nations at Eurovision, the one that has, like, the strongest uh, national identity tends to be, I, I think of France as one of those strong nations, and I think when they find a way to kind of balance out their Frenchness, it does it does good things for them, and that, by balancing it out, I mean they either go all in, or they, they figure out, like, that nice 50-50 blend, like, nothing in the middle, because if you look at 2009, uh, Patricia Coss, like, that is, like, standard French torch song, mm-hmm. uh, and they came in eighth place, and they won the, the Artist Award. Then if you look at something like Amir from 2016, where they play sixth, that was also like them sort of still doing internal selection, but suddenly being open to having a chorus in English or a verse in English. Yeah. And moving more toward like pop sensibility and tapping into like the voice talent. Because uh, yes. I, believe, I believe he was a voice alum. So I mean, he's very charismatic as well on stage. I just remember having him having so much energy. I was watching with a room full of students that year. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about 2014 or? <laughs> that that's definitely one that where it didn't work for them. And I think one thing that that doesn't entirely work for them, and it's something that I like about France, is that they they're not afraid to go weird, but occasionally they go too weird. I think not only about uh, Twin Twin in 2014 and Mustache. Uh, but Sebastian Tellier in 2008 with Divine, where I love the visuals of that performance because you have an array of five backing singers all wearing fake beards to match Sebastian, but also the vocals on that song live are not great. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's And it's just kind of like a three-minute mood piece. The one that I was kind of surprised, like, so I, you know, the, Euro- the Eurovision channel puts out their, like, you know, top ten most viewed, like, each month. And then, like, for, I think, a good, like, year... At least in 2017, like the most played entry on the channel was like their 2010 entry, Jesse Matador. I didn't realize how popular that was, apparently, just outside of the contest. And that came 12th, I believe, on the night. Yeah, Yeah, that came 12th. And that one also, I think, got picked up by like FIFA for a soccer thing. Oh, that would make sense. That's probably why it has like a crazy amount of views. But And like that one makes so much sense as like a soccer song. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. like I think before Toy, that was the most watched Eurovision. Video. It might have been, yeah. And yeah, this, I I didn't realize the soccer connection, but that totally makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think yeah. Now that I listen to it, I'm think I'm comparing it to um. Well, Shakira put out a World Club song, didn't she? Yeah, 
kind of like that. Yeah. Or the uh, one that Ricky Martin did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just doing some quick clicking around. Uh, yeah. So Ale Ola Ole was to be used by the French broadcaster as the summer hit of 2010 and also for promoting the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I just like, they're like, well, we have it for these two other things. Let's just send it to Eurovision. Smart way of going about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, they came in 12th. It was not a bad strategy. Yeah. Yeah. What else is working or not working for France? They seem to just be like, uh, with the exception of uh, Amir, they're kind of middle of the table right about now. I really liked, actually liked Requiem from uh, 2017. Yeah, I, I like that song. I think even though it performed last in the running order, which I think is normally considered to be a strong position, 2017 was just, it was a real marathon to have to get through. And I think by the time it got to that song it's just like oh can we just get to the voting please <laughs> and like, I, I, think I think at that point really we served. all knew who was gonna win so true yeah <laughs> yeah wasn't there like a whole controversy about whether or not that was even eligible oh yeah i it wasn't a plagiarism thing i don't think but yeah it there, might there have was... been a pre-september one Thing. Right. And I think that also yeah. contributed to like why there was so much more English uh, in the revamped mm-hmm. version. And yeah, it was uh, really getting into the weeds of uh, all the technicalities. But and I think it also kind of highlighted a problem that I think France is getting over where and, and this was really the case with Amir's entry, where yeah. it's trying to take a four minute song and fit it into three minutes but it's a very wordy language and like in the 2016 performance like i i i I thought that amir was uh, it was going to be between like sergey lazarev and amir uh for winning uh but then you got to the edited performance for france and it's just like oh he doesn't have time to breathe like there is no break anywhere in the song and i think that's probably what caused it to sort of underperform i mean it still performed well in 2016 but i think i i was expecting yeah. it to finish higher mm-hmm. i think the exact same thing happened with italy in 2017 mm-hmm. yeah uh he also came who also came six yeah so i think this year's entry is a step in the right direction i think the running order might have hurt Bilal a little bit yeah because um, he came right before italy i think yeah and yeah they kind of cancel each other out but i think yeah. it was a song that fit him I wonder if they might consider having their national selection a bit later. Maybe, yeah, just so it doesn't completely lose that buzz. But yeah, like, I thought that they did a very good job this year of having a song and a singer that felt like it wasn't just randomly assigned. That where they went together and, like, Mm -hmm. sort of the combination made it stronger. I mean, he's such a great personality Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, he's just a joy to watch in, like, any interview he does. Definitely knows how to work the camera. Well, and oh, he was for sure. he was such a big Eurovision fan too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I love when you get a contestant that like so clearly like loves like just being there instead of just being like I'm here for a paycheck. Although I think one of my recommendations, uh, if if they stick with the destination Eurovision format, which I think they should, maybe not have Madame Mazur participating next year. Yeah. Like I, I like. I know we were very uh, critical of them in 2018. I think they did a good job working with Bilal this year, but I yeah. think they're just too middle of the road, as mm-hmm. shown by the fact that they finished 13 in 2018 and a little lower than that this year. Yeah, 16th, and, I think, was the final one right. uh, post-shuffling. Post, uh, I think they are going to have a very successful career and mm-hmm. a, a very long career, but I don't think they're going to break through the way that they need to to 
like get France into the top 10. So it would be yeah. it would be good to find another artist or songwriter or team of artists and songwriters who are going to be able to just get that extra bit of oomph. Yeah, like I would love to hear other voices in French music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do like about France is I was like um, looking through the entries that they've had over the years. They have submitted a fair number of uh, artists of color. Yes. Which is great. 2010 and uh, in Bilal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were a few in the 90s as well. Keep that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, do- they're doing better than a lot of the other countries. In yeah. That yes. Like, really, I think of the big five, they are probably doing the well, I mean, Italy is doing the absolute best, but of, of oh, the remaining yeah. big, uh, big five. If we had to give like a second place in terms of that, I feel like France kind of. Yeah, it might is, be France. Yeah. yeah, it might be France. Yeah, and I, and another thing they might want to consider is like if they do like Destination Eurovision like one more year, but do it the way that Cyprus did it like in 2015, where they had their national final, and then for like the two or three years following that, they had other contestants from that national final so it's like oh yeah the runner-up from the 2015 contest went on to represent them in 2016 uh hovig was also uh, a contestant in the 2015 national final did well in 2017 and yeah just kind of build up a pool and then just have a national final every few years and yeah. just build up I that think- pool again yeah, I think that's something that Melfest in particular is very good at, is getting these returning artists back and building mm-hmm. them up. Keep doing what you're doing, France. <laughs> Keep up the good work. All right. You'll so, get there. <laughs> so that was the appetizer, and now we're... <laughs> what what we're really here for. Buckle up, Twitter. It's time for the United <laughs> Kingdom. So... <laughs> uh, oh, Britain. Oh, goodness. All right. So uh, I, I have a feeling people are going to have opinions about this one. Oh, oh yes. I anticipate a very big comment section. Yes. Uh, so let me, let me get our pages of notes open. In terms of their history, they participated at Eurovision uh, every year except 1956 and 1958. In that time, they've had 15 second place finishes, which is crazy to me. Um, I, I mean, granted, like, it, yeah, like, I mean, in, in the early years, there were only, like there were fewer than 10 countries so like second yeah. place isn't as much of a feat but still 15 overall that's pretty impressive uh they've had five wins their last being uh in the late 90s they've finished in last place four times they've only had one nil point which was back in 2003 oh gemini yeah uh mm. since since the big five di- uh, distinction they've had uh two top five finishes uh, but 10 of their entries finished in 20th or worse. So not great. I don't think they're the weakest of the big five. I, th- I think Spain's maybe carrying that torch. But uh, so UK has that to be proud about. I don't know. But <laughs> at least you have that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although it, it's 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 a race for the bottom, I guess. Yeah. This past decade in particular has just been pretty awful that was my next question like what's working for them and not a lot yeah i i can list what's worked but there's no way for me to like connect the dots uh in terms of figuring out larger patterns because what's worked for them having andrew lloyd weber write the song and reviving a boy band on stage uh yeah. at the contest which i didn't realize until i watched the video i was like oh he's just he's just there yeah yeah that was yeah he was just hanging out with jade I mean, you know, he's he seems to be having a year this year. Katz is 
a thing. Um. <laughs> so we should graft the faces of their next uh, contestants onto like some sort of weird life-size yes, puppet. Yes, there's an idea like for a, your yeah. LEDs. Fun Snapchat filter effect. <laughs> oh. um, oh other things that have worked. Uh, reviving a boy band. Like they revived Blue. Mm. And Blue ended up in 11th. Somehow. Somehow. Maybe they were good and that's why they got 11th. And I've watched it. It's, it's like when like. When, like, Backstreet goes on tour or, like, all these boy bands are getting back together. I'm just like, oh, no. After going down and just sort of continuing to revive artists to, to lower and lower returns, uh, they did, then went internal and did pick sort of an emerging artist with Molly and Children of the Universe. And that placed 17th. Which I remember how excited UK was for that. Where it was just like, oh, okay, we found... Because I think they also had like a new head of delegation or uh, head mm-hmm. of selection at BBC. And they were like trying this new, like, almost kind of like the NPR tiny desk concert method of... Uh, uh, yeah. choosing yeah it was it was and, like a red button thing where it was like you can find out who our artist is with with the red button yeah and uh like i i can understand the enthusiasm for that but that song was just so it, it, just not for <sighs> me i i but i don't know mm-hmm. who it was for like, i remember being very excited about it and i think i just got caught up in the in the general uk hype yeah it was like we might actually not we might reach the left hand side this year that's like Seems to be the standard at the moment, and we haven't even reached that. So, you know, they tried another internal selection that didn't work. They then were like, okay, cool, national finals again. Uh, And so in 2017, Lucy Jones and Never Give Up on You. That song was written by, was at least co written by Emily DeForest. So that's like a past Eurovision winner, kind of giving Mm -hmm. them a boost. And they came in 15th that year, and that's like the best they've done. I thought that entry worked for the most part. I do think that the televote. It didn't deserve that low of a televote score, but they did get a bulk of their points from the jury. That was one. It took a very long time to grow on me, mm-hmm. but I agree. I, I think it works. And I think that the way that they staged that performance yes. is in the direction that they should be going. Like, it yes. seems like, I don't know, not not to jump ahead to the recommendations section, but <laughs> uh, any future entry where the golden shower effect could possibly be a consideration for the staging should be rejected. Like, yeah. no no more golden showers for the UK. We've reached the peak with that. Yes. I just remember, that's the only UK entry where I can think of where there's like like kind of a wow moment when mm-hmm. the, I think it's the second chorus comes around. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say about that particular entry is that Um, She has some interesting facial expressions while she sings. Mm. She's uh, on the West End now, by the way, Lucy Jones. Yeah. Uh, Good for her. uh, In Waitress at the moment. Um, So good for her. Seems to be Mm -hmm. her her stomping grounds. That's her background. So we'll connect her Uh, with Andrew Lloyd Webber. There we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe bring her back with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, I feel like choosing someone who's a little bit more theatrical isn't a bad idea because I think Suri also had some like Les Mis connection Mm. and like. She seemed fun. I liked her, even if the song didn't do great. I thought she would get more sympathy televotes, but nope. I thought, th- well, I thought that because they had someone like jump on stage, like they should have taken the opportunity to perform again at the end. I know. I was wondering that too. They and were I early guess, in the running order. Yeah, they were like like after a commercial break, I think. Yeah, like they should have taken that to like have their song out again. But I, I also understand why they didn't and and respect them for that. But yeah, like I thought that that song could have done better. Yeah, I just, oh man, they should have had her back. I, I, I miss her. <laughs> yeah. She seems to be doing okay though, so. Yeah. Okay, so those are things that have worked. Uh, what hasn't worked is like everything else. Literally everything else. And like a lot of it is just them kind of latching on to what had what had worked 
and just running into the ground. After Blue came in 11th, they're like, okay, cool. Engelbert Humperdinck, Bonnie Tyler, let's do it. And the world said no. Engelbert Humperdinck's entry is fine, but it's not a Eurovision song. I mean, if I need like something soft on in the background at a party, like maybe. I just remember uh, 2015. I think that's, that's the first year I watched the contest in full and Electro Velvet coming on and me just being like, what in the world is this the let's have like no like strobe lights on clothes anymore either let's like just never do that again i kind of applaud them for just going completely out of the box with that one but that it's it it still makes me cringe anytime it pops up on my spotify yeah one thing i will point out is that the room at my my eurovision party in 2015 loved electro velvet unfortunately none of us had voting permission yes (laughs) Like, I, I did not love it, but, like, the rest of the people I invited were like, this is amazing. I, I appreciate yeah. what was going for and trying to mash up, but also no. I think this year is the year where I was just like, maybe there's some hope for it. Because, I mean, okay, Bigger Than Us is not, like, the best song. It's not really even a good song. But, like him or not, Michael Rice just has an amazing voice. And I thought, like, okay, we have something here. And then just, yeah the whole press around it seemed to be like the Swedish representative wrote this song and they really took that and they their stage performance in Tel Aviv was basically Sweden light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a good point that there was not really a strong narrative around him where it's just like, yeah, it was either framed in the context of Sweden, which that's not going to help anybody, or they were making a big deal about like him going to Tel Aviv and having falafel for the first time. And it was just like, Oh yeah. Um... I listened to the BBC podcast about Eurovision that they put out this year, Mm -hmm. which also didn't do any favors for my opinion of the BBC in that regard. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just, I I felt bad for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the, I think the biggest problem that we were sort of talking around is that the UK needs like a massive attitude adjustment. When it comes to Eurovision, is that right now you have the BBC kind of be focusing on being snarky and not really marketing things and being kind of lazy about their selection process. Yeah, I get it. Like one of the one of the draws that they kind of advertise on in the UK for people to watch is like you listen to Graham Norton like riffing on all the acts, which I like Graham Norton, but not necessarily in that context. Mm. Like. Uh, it's just I feel like it's like the BBC's attitude is like okay it's this thing that we have to pay money for and I guess we'll be there and you know just doing like the bare minimum literally the bare minimum yeah yeah, it's it's super frustrating because the UK pop industry has so many good like songwriters Mm -hmm. and songwriting camps and is doing great production stuff like you have Adele maybe don't send Adele but like don't don't send Adele she's busy but convince disclosure to like do something kind of housey for three minutes exactly with a good vocalist on top of it. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't ask Sebastian Raymond to do anything else, please. Yeah. Um, they yeah, they look, definitely should not send Adele. Cause I could just see people being like, Oh, that's just the UK pandering. And, and like, then people won't vote for it because of that. And it's just going to be completely absent of what the song was or like how Adele would sing it. So yes, definitely do not send Adele. <laughs> you, you are correct that like you would not win if you sent her, but not for the reasons that you're yeah. suggesting. And then the narrative would <laughs> yeah. be like, oh, we can send Adele and still lose. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. Yeah. There's just a lot of complaining about how they don't get any votes because of Brexit. Which, which is probably partially true. Which, like, yeah. fair, yes, correct. Let's be real. Supposedly by this time, according to the plan from last year, is that we'd be out of the EU by now, but that has not happened yet. Yeah. So. 
Mm-hmm. It's scheduled for Halloween of all of all dates. Oh, so, jeez, uh. <laughs> <laughs> if it happens at all, so yay! Oh, um, but no, this is, this contest is is not political. <clears throat> Drink. 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 Yeah. Uh, but I have a radical idea because the BBC just does not seem to care. Hand it off to another network, maybe. Hmm. I mean. Okay, I'm listening. Well, I was doing a little bit of research because I was wondering what the audience for the BBC like is. And it turns out the average viewing age of BBC One, at least, is like in the 50s and 60s. Really? Yes. Which wow. Which is not really the audience for Eurovision anymore. Maybe like 30, 40 years ago when it was still like, you know, a, quote unquote, a family show. But like it's def the contest is gearing a lot younger now. Oh man, they're the CBS of of Eurovision. Okay. <laughs> yes, and the network that's actually I think the most successful in terms of viewership at the moment is actually ITV. Mm-hmm. They are the network that has like all the British talent competitions. So they've got the X Factor. They've got the Voice. Right. Uh, they've got Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> Notable among all things, it's not really a talent competition, but they are the network that has uh, Love Island at the moment, which is just all over my feed right now. <laughs> so young people are watching. Have the winner of Love Island go represent your vision. <laughs> oh my gosh. We've, we've tried everything except that, and you know what? Oh, Maybe they man. can sing. Just Maybe. like a special Love Island season during the spring where they can all sing. Yeah. It would be great. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but I, ITV is, its parent company is an EBU member. Okay. So like in terms of transition, I mean, this is like, it's never going to happen, but no. <laughs> let's be real here. It's not, but in my, in my, in, in my dream scenario, like ITV takes it over and they take like the winner of the X Factor or the voice or eh, God willing, Britain's got talent. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, the example that I would kind of point to is Malta from this year. Mm-hmm is they, I think they'd NQ'd two years in a row yeah, with their current selection format. So they got rid of a multi-Eurovision song contest and they have X Factor Malta and they chose the winner of that, which ended up being Michaela. Michaela. And she, what, I can't remember what place she did. She didn't do top 10, but she did qualify for the first time in I think yeah. three years. Yeah, kind so, of like, that's a format that yeah. kind of worked for them. So just thinking of other pie-in-the-sky things, I think one thing that's been pitched before that that the the, the Beeb has largely said absolutely not to is, uh, you're a United Kingdom, and yet all of the winners come from England. What yes. about Scotland? What about Wales? Is uh, why, why not, like, trade off between who's picking? Sort maybe. of like what Switzerland does. I don't pay attention much to the Junior Eurovision Song Contest, but Wales is a participant. So there is a precedent for the separate countries within the country doing their own thing a little bit. Um, I would like to point out that Lucy Jones is Welsh, but that's, that is beside the But like send an entry in Welsh or, or like yeah. if you really want to get like, like language geek points, Cornish. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> there is an indie artist, Gweno, who used to be part of this pop group called The Pipettes. And, like, now she's off recording, like, music in Welsh and Cornish. Admittedly, it's, it's like, five-minute kind of, like, Krautrocky songs that do not fit into a three-minute bucket. But I'm sure that if asked to write a three-minute song... They could do it. Yeah. yeah. So I have two ideas. Uh, one's a little bonkers. One, I think, is a little more straightforward. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the bonkers one. Um, <laughs> there have been reports that Ed Sheeran has expressed his interest in writing a Eurovision song. And... 
I think the BBC should consider taking him up on that. That's not yeah. the bonkers part. Uh, <laughs> I was supposed to say that was that was definitely yeah. on my list of suggestions. Though was like Ed, everybody loves Ed Sheeran right now. Make him write the Literally song. Yeah, writes for everybody. Yeah, but I mean his his schedule is such that he's not going to be able to be the performer for it. So you have to get somebody else to like actually sing the song. Uh-huh. And I think the person that they should get is my nemesis Nicole Scherzinger. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I think number one, I think that collaboration would be kind of insane just because they're like just two completely different styles well uh but he did put out a collab album yeah i think she's also a known like she's a known quantity in the uk but she's not like certainly not a madonna level star like she is like her current gig is judge on the masked singer so it's like the proper level of celebrity but yeah. like also she's not... also had history of being an X Factor judge in the UK as well. Right. So um, and she was also going back to cats. Yeah. <laughs> she was in cats in the West End, so I mean she has an audience. Yeah. And I think she'd do it. I think she would too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, alternately, if she's busy, I have another one who I know is known in the UK, also has some level of European fan base, and has worked with Ed Sheeran before. Okay. Jesse Ware. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And she hmm. she can do yeah she can do up tempo she can do down tempo but no like one of one of her larger hits in the UK that I think gets used a bunch on the various Got Talents and X Factors etc. Uh, Say you love me is a collab with Ed Sheeran. Ah. Okay. Okay. I, I think she's on one of his songs on Divide as well. I can't remember, but yeah, because yeah, like, she pops like up uncredited, here and there right now. but yeah. she is there. Uh. Um, a couple artists. I do think that they should. I feel like the national final thing hasn't really worked in the last few years. So I think they should mm-hmm. go for like an internal selection this time around. Yeah. Although if they do want to go with uh, like some form of national final, and this is, this is the other idea that I had, take the Songland format. Yes. Get like five or six different artists and have them work with like the aspiring songwriters. Mm-hmm. Uh, have like a five week series of working through those different songs. And then the five songs that come out of that process are the songs for the national final that way yeah. there's like some sort of long-term exposure to the songs instead yeah. of like we're gonna drop these these like karaoke tracks on thursday and everybody's gonna vote on them on monday bye this this, <laughs> this would allow for a little bit of buy-in but also a little bit of kind of getting into the sausage making process and just being like mm-hmm. okay this is where they started this is where mm. they're going there could even be like potential to go even farther from that after whatever national final process happens okay yeah it will get away from the songs that are currently in their national finals from seeming first like first drafts yeah i would also like to see some of the artists from past national finals come back if that's going to be the case like Mm. i liked holly quite a bit as a personality i'd love to see Mm -hmm. her like with a better song like i had thought about suggesting them doing what finland has done the past couple years even though it hasn't really worked Mm. uh where we've selected the artist here are three to five songs yeah pick one because that way we have had say you have had say theoretically we both have buy-in on this artist yeah i mean on the other hand i feel like when given a choice the uk currently just wants to like break things (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's just the nation has decided that that uh, vote for the worst is still a thing from from the American Idol era. Oh, where it's that's like, a throwback. Cool, we just want to, yeah, we're just like the people of the UK just really want to send Sinjaya year after year. <laughs> 
Oh my god, they could probably actually do well with Sanjaya. Yeah, on, yeah. on the other hand, Sanjaya <laughs> probably is not busy. Um, oh, man. Well, the other one, like, I think of it's just like they have, like, the Christmas number one, and, like, what about, like, having that song be yeah. the entry? I mean, granted, this year's Christmas number one wouldn't work since it was a cover of We Built This City on Sausage Rolls. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I like your but, thinking there, but too often, uh, <laughs> Lately, they tried to vote up a past song. Yeah. That was, that was released well before the September deadline. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. The other thing is that when it hasn't been that, it's most often been an X Factor winner. So, I mean, maybe. Mm-hmm, true. But, yeah. Maybe. Which, is, which mean, is almost often a cover. So, <laughs> yeah. If nothing, uh, like a strategy that might work for them, uh, focusing on the juries. Yes. Like, if the, like, at least for like the first half of the scores, to just if you really want to just kind of sit in that top part, is like write something that's juried catnip. And stage it as well. Just stage it. Mm-hmm. They really have like just dropped the ball on staging in almost every single year. Yeah, uh, I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like, the like one... they're already trying to do the writing for the jury, and that's why we're just getting these like just syrupy like yeah. songs of like personal empowerment, and it's just like they're they're Eurovision entries instead of pop songs that are being submitted to yeah. Eurovision. Mm-hmm. Okay, in that case, I go back to get Ed. Get Ed Sheeran. Yeah, just just get Make him every, write the song. everyone loves Ed. We don't have to put him on stage. Just give him that. That's fine. The other thing is like if they're gonna do a national final, they have to make it like must see TV. Like you know, hype it up, put out more ads for it. Because I think the national final was I think on BBC Two this year. Yeah, that sounds right. And on like yeah. a Thursday, I saw like, like Z- a Thursday or Friday. Yeah, like they, and they really didn't advertise it. It was just kind of there. My biggest recommendation, just written in large re- letters in my notes, is just care. Yeah. Care about this. Just care you about have, things. You have a songwriting industry. It it's would be cool great. To Use care it. care about things. And then think it goes back to, like, you know, Italy came back to the contest in 2011, and Australia joined in 2015. And both of those countries, I think, have really, like, put in a lot of effort and made everyone else kind of step up their game. Mm-hmm. And the BBC well, just has, hasn't gotten gone along with that. Well, yeah, and like this kind of season of ironic detachment that they've been in is 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 well past its sell by date. Oh yeah, maybe in the two thousands, but like I'm just kind of sick of them not caring. Uh, the other thing is they need they need different semifinal commentators. I watched the first semifinal um, on the BBC, and then I hated it so much. Oh really? I I do not like Rylan at all. Mm. Scott's fine, but I I just keep keep him away, keep him away. I actually watched the second semifinal uh, on the Swedish feed because I was just like, well, at least I don't have to listen to that. Oh, wow. Same thing with the grand final. I was going to watch it on the YouTube feed, but a lot of people were also doing that. So ah. <laughs> it was a very yeah. good quality. I don't, yeah, I don't mind humor in, in, the, in the commentating because for the first semifinal this year, I was listening to uh, oh, the yeah. Icelandic uh, English commentator, and he had like a very dry wit that was just delightful throughout yeah. some of the commentary i think the bbc gives out is so- sometimes it can be a bit mean yeah i was about to say yeah, but it was yeah but it wasn't like specifically about the acts it wasn't specifically yeah. about what was being sung it wasn't mean i think if you can you can have funny commentary but you know just don't be a bully yeah like i i, I think it was on the swedish feed it might have been the 27 it might have been the uh romanian yodelers and like mm-hmm. on the swedish feed like after that performance was done the commentator just went Yep, and then like <laughs> went on to the next act. <laughs> Which like, is yeah, the proper that's, that's pretty much all you can say. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like we still haven't really scratched the surface on like, what all they can do. <laughs> but there's 
the, they've the, done a lot and it's not working for them. Like that's the problem. I struggle is that to think of a thing s- that they haven't done other than get Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I don't even know why. Oh. Like why? Why? Like it has to be him specifically. Like, I guess it's just because he <laughs> has actually said that he. The would music want to do industry that, but... data of who actually purchases CDs does not lie. It's Ed Sheeran. I guess he, everybody I, loves I Ed Sheeran. I believe he is like number one, three, and four in the singles chart this week. So. Oh, all right. And he has the number one album. So mm. there is there is an audience. I guess. And I've there been in that audience, audience since audience 2011. Said, we love Ed Sheeran. <laughs> but you still need to be able to stage it. I mean, like, you can complain about the televote and whatnot. And yes, sure, you know, televote is, you know, full of politics. But, like, you know, you're not going to get a good jury score if you don't give them a complete good package to latch on. I'm trying to think of the last entry that they had where people were, like, actually moving on the stage and not just like walking dramatically from one mic stand to another mic stand but like actual dancing or like just some sort of visual interesting component because it is a television show yeah i mean blue comes to mind but that was very boy bandy so yeah and that was almost (laughs) 10 years ago that's that's the other part so yeah are they still together can we get them back uh Let's not do that. I mean, I thought I thought I thought the 2011 version was their reunion, so now would be like. Uh, well, know. Backstreet's re- reunited what seven times now? I guess, <laughs> but they all have like mortgages and stuff, so yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> we need something to pay the bills. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe One Direction can reunite and go represent them. Oof. I am like so, for some reason. That's I feel like go, some other country is going to swoop in and, and score that uh, before the UK does. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, point is just yeah. just just care. Just try yeah. harder. Just care. Just try. <laughs> okay. Well we've we've done it. We have talked about all of the big five and suggestions. Will will any of these be put into place? Probably not. I mean I could just stand outside the BBC and protest. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do not lock yourself to their doors on our behalf. <laughs> I no, do not have no, a No, that get that get me kicked out of the country. <laughs> so Okay. Oh, well man. that's gonna do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thanks for listening. The Euro What podcast is hosted by Ben Smith, that's me, and Mike McComb. That's me. Special thanks to our guest this week, Helen Grotheis. Uh, Helen, where can folks find you online? Well, I'm most active on my Twitter, at HelenMarie95. I have a blog that I use periodically. It's HelenGrotheisBlog.wordpress.com. And I'm starting up my YouTube channel again, and that's FilmGeek520. Now that I'm out of my master's degree, I can do more things. Funny how that works. And we will have all of those in the links. Uh, You can find us on our website at eurowhat.com and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eurowhat. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, and ideas on how the big five can save themselves. Please, please fill our Twitter uh, mentions column with how the UK can fix itself. You can subscribe to the Eurowhat on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Rating and reviewing the podcast when you subscribe also helps other Eurovision fans find us, so please keep doing that. Next time, we are talking about juries and catching up with what's new in Eurovision. 